Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Dead Cat. I am here with Eric Newcomer, as always, and with us, our special guest, a uh, buddy of mine, Richard Rushfield of The Ankler. Uh, lots to talk about in Hollywood and beyond. Uh, thanks for joining, Richard. Uh, great to be with you, gentlemen. So a couple things that I wanted to go over and, and why we we're excited to have you on. Um, so Richard is, is the founder and chief writer. What's your actual title at The Ankler? These days, now that it's a, a company. Uh, so I was the uh, I was just I, I was I was the okay. anchor, and now I'm uh, uh, chief columnist and editorial okay. director. Okay, so chief columnist and editorial director of Hollywood newsletter, The Anchor. And I, I'm just going to say at the top, I mean, I'm excited. We've got some you know Substacks going big here. We've got like media drama, uh, so it's going to be, and then we can talk Hollywood at the end. So uh, everything you want, honestly, like. Uh, having a little conflict at your launch is probably uh, the best thing you could have wished for. So happy. Maybe maybe you disagree. It's causing you anxiety, but happy to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't, why don't we just lay that uh, out at the at the for, for our listeners who maybe didn't follow every step of this conflict as it unfurled in the last couple of days. Explain to me like your plans with the Ankler, which were exciting on their own. And then the uh, the spicy stuff that followed. Uh, so I've been doing the Ankler for for four years now. It's a it's been a one man newsletter about the entertainment industry, really written for people in the entertainment industry. And um, about a year ago, I was approached by by Janice Min, who is this legendary editor, uh, the creator of, of of the the modern Hollywood Reporter, and really just the the, the greatest editor of. Uh, uh, working in, in Hollywood media. Prior to that, world. the genius behind the rebranding and relaunch of Us Weekly. Absolutely. A giant Absolutely. in the space. You know, I, 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 to, for, for someone to have one success um, in these days is immense, but she has had two uh, giant successes. So that's, uh, I, I don't think there's anyone out there who has that, uh, has that record now. Um, so she approached me about a, uh, about a year ago and had the idea she. Uh, she was a reader of the Ankler and, uh, and and someone I've known. She she said you've you've got this great grassroots following in the community. What if we can build on that and uh, build something bigger to uh, to 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 go into the trade space? You're, you're like to, you're the number three sort of business Substack on on Substack. You gave me advice before I launched. You launched in like 2017, right? So you've you've been building this like following in Hollywood, and you sort of position yourself as the voice who is willing to go against the grain in a very controlled Hollywood media environment. Is that, is that how you would position it? Yeah. Well, that's what got me into it. It was that because, uh, the, the people covering Hollywood, it had become a kind of very safe, controlled, uh, bland environment for, for covering. And I just thought there was something, uh, there was space for something with sharper elbows and, um, and a more sardonic and fun uh, way, of, way of approaching the news here. Yeah, and I would say, and we'll get into the conflict in a second, but largely the reason that it has become such a safe and controlled environment is because the trades are, you know, f- you know pledge fealty to the masters of Hollywood and are essentially uh, public relation arms to a degree uh, of the agencies and of the media companies and it seems like more often than not do their bidding to present them and their business policies and strategies in as positive a light as possible, right? I mean, this is this is kids' gloves, kids' glove stuff most of the time. 
Well, it, it's it's been at, in a in a time when media has been really in decline, and traditional media, particularly, and increasingly desperate to grab onto any uh, any read they can. They've just become increasingly uh, meshed and beholden with with the the uh, the studios they cover in, in so many different ways. Like they uh, not only they need them for ads and the, and are and are completely dependent on the ads, but also um, for the exclusives for the cut for people the covers to get to get the studios to participate in their con- conferences. And it's kind of this whole game with a captive audience of. Uh, of just just milking everything out of it, and and, and it's it's sort of on the the in in the things that they think about. There, the readers have have, have fallen to like number twentieth uh, or something. And, and you're the, you're primarily the, a subscription based business. I mean, I, you have some Oscar campaign stuff, right? I mean, what? But the goal yeah. here is to be subscription based going forward, right? Is that right? It's going to be a mix of subscription and um, and subscription and and advertising. We have the we have this Oscar advertising category, but it's it it's all built on the subscription uh, platform. Like if 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 we don't have a vigorous, healthy subscription business and and don't have people buying subscriptions, we don't have anything else. So I don't know what percent ultimately will what, be. What was your thinking? I mean, you there, there's a certain argument that, you know, you get to a certain level in Substack, and that's exactly when you should hold on because, you know, you're getting sort of the profits for yourself. You know, media companies are low-margin businesses. On the other hand, experiencing myself, you know, it's hard to run a business on your own, to be on your own. Like, what was what was sort of your thinking? How much was it you know, building a big company versus having other people to support you? Or what was sort of your calculus in abandoning sort of being all on your own? I mean, it always, it always starts with me. I I saw there's there's definitely a business opportunity, but it always starts with me like, is there a chance to do something interesting? And there's is there a compelling challenge? And I just thought there's, there's it was just, uh, especially when I started talking with Janice, it was just kicking ourselves Every week, at the stories that aren't being covered and the things that aren't being written and dying, like, like wish, oh, wish, wish we had a reporter that could do this or someone uh, that could take this on. And as a one-man show, there's, I could, I was, I was only able to 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 take on a piece of uh, of all the great stories and amazing things happening out there. So I just, it, it was, it was really just feeling there's a chance to, from the perspective, from the the Ankler trademark perspective, to. Uh, to go to to reach a bigger experience, right? So, so you've got this, you know, voicey, fun, uh, critical Hollywood newsletter. You've got Janice approaching you, saying, "Hey, let's let's really blow this up and turn it into the next big uh, media outlet in Hollywood, covering the space." Uh, and then things get pretty funny last week. So, explain to me, you know, your big launch day. You, you get some placement in the New York Times, and then what happens after? So we had this wonderful announcement uh, that that uh, that Janice was joining uh, the Eckler and becoming the editor of it and taking uh, becoming a partner in ownership, and that Substack was funding us to uh, to through the Substack Pro program to grow and expand and start to build something uh, a bit larger. And also, we announced that our first our first reporter that we were bringing on, uh, who was uh, Tatiana Siegel, who was uh, who. Janice worked with back when she was editor at THR and who I've known for a long time and is uh, one of the one of the great reporters on the beat right now. And we're just, you know, we're old world friends with her. We're thrilled to have her come aboard. And then 
made the announcement so great. Uh, and then the, ne- the, the day that follows, uh, her, her current employer, Jay Penske, who owns all of the Hollywood, who's kind of built up a little monopoly there. Uh, he owns Deadline, uh, Variety, and THR. That's insane. So, Talk about it's a like one, yeah, it's a one-man town. Allowed? It's crazy. It didn't used to be like this. I mean, this is a slow consolidation over five, ten. I years. didn't have any idea, honestly, like pre this whole saga that he was so consolidated. Yeah, he's 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 scooped them all up, and I I, I think there was antitrust investigation when he uh, when he made the the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, purchase. I don't know what came of that, but uh, it's 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 pretty. In terms of coverage, it it's pretty uh, amazing ha- to to have it all come from this one uh, corporate headquarters and with with no real competition against each other anymore or or anything. So uh, a day. So us. So if you've got a monopoly, the you know this little this little upstart newsletter, which is just two people looking to become three. You wouldn't think would be would 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 ruin your life, but apparently it seemed to really get to him because the the, the following day he announced to a THR employee meeting that Tatiana Siegel would not be coming to the Ankler, um, that she was in fact going to Rolling moving to Rolling Stone, another Penske Media publication. Uh, following which uh, Variety, uh, one, one can only guess at who's instigate. Nation put out a, a a uncharacteristically sort of snarky, nasty story. Exclusive. Headline. It was a it was a huge scoop. <laughs> yeah, the exclusive. Janice Min loses uh, first ankler hire. Thirty three percent of the ankler has has left the company. It was a weird story to read. You really had to understand. You had to understand all the drama. It was hard for me to even parse the story. It was so weird. Like. This, this well, it, the, the little problem in all this is that uh, Tatiana Siegel hadn't agreed that she was going to, to Rolling Stone. And they wrote this story without talking to her. And um, she had, uh, after our announcement, uh, Jay Penske had, had, had reached out to her reacting. Uh, she, she, had, she, had given note, she had given notice properly, reacting very badly to the news and informing her that she she has six months on her contract left, and we believed that she was uh, under under California uh, employment law. You can't force people to work against their will uh, when they want to stay there, and whatever the law is, I've never heard of anybody doing that to a journalist. Yeah, what is the deal with these employment contracts in Hollywood press? Like, Jessica Lesson, the owner of The Information, who I think is an investor in you, right, tweeted about she, how she'd... She had had a legal battle with Sharon Waxman. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the problem is they're all too close. They they all work too close to Hollywood, so they think they should operate like a Hollywood uh, studio. And so right with with uh, with Hollywood style. You're under contract with Paramount, Tatiana. Exactly. You got we, we got ten more films in you. That that's like the tech media. You know, all wants to become investors and in, you know, Hollywood. Yeah, they act like it's interesting how it's uh, corrupt. They all think they're Lewis yeah. Mayer. Yeah, it's it's the dream of every Hollywood journalist to be like taken seriously by by studio executives that's that's all they that's all they long for 
but it's not studio executive anyway. So, so yes, he, he claims that he has, uh, you know, this reporter under contract. And because of that, I mean, it sounds to me like he's basically telling her like, you know, listen, toots, you're, you're stuck here for the next six months. So better, you know, better kick on over to my other publication, Rolling Stone, because you're not going anywhere. He said something along those lines, uh, that conversation was something about that. And her response was, okay, let me talk to my people and let me see what my options are. And while she was talking to her people and seeing what her options were, he publicly announced she'll be doing this, which is, uh, which is odd. If, if, if someone announced you were, you were taking a job that you hadn't signed on, on to, uh, you, uh, you'd, uh, if, if, and someone announced you were taking a job at a place you had specifically given notice to and said you intended to leave. But, uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's been for us, it's been a great uh, little boon in publicity in the community. <laughs> right. Talk about proving that you're the insurgents. You're, right. You know, you're scaring the right well, people. Yeah. I mean, it's just very fun. We're, we're a two-person operation looking to become a three-person operation here. And she is coming? Or you're, you're still confident that you've got your third hire here or third person? Uh, we're, we're sorting it out. But one way or another, Tatiana Siegel will eventually be part of the, the Ankler story. That's, so, that's great. Uh, I'm confident. And, uh, and look, I mean, and you guys also as part of this are going to be joining Y Combinator, which is interesting because I was just before this looking up how many media companies have gone through Y Combinator and... It's a broad category. Obviously, there's a lot of gaming companies that have, but I only picked out two. So you got you got Reddit and Reddit. Uh, does Reddit count as a media company? I, I I was thinking more like just publications because yeah, I mean there's plenty of gaming out. I thought there was a sort of well the, East the, the Asian athletic Indian diaspora the athletic company yeah. that went through the athletic came through there and they've obviously done really well. Although they keep trying to sell themselves very publicly, I don't know what that's about. I mean, I know what it's about. There's definitely uh, we we've we've met our batch, and we're we're the only uh, yeah we're the only sort of publication or media company. Yeah, it's the Athletic and there. this other publication called the Juggernaut, which is focused on Southeast yes. Asian news. But if you think That's about right. it in the light of, it's not unusual for YC to back a company that's trying to build a business on the top of one of its own companies, sort of showing that you know that company can be more of a platform. So that it's a happy lens, it's a happy synergy and right. hopefully our success will be good for good for Substack also. So do they own everybody a everybody wins. Is do you have you have a cap table now, right? If you're going to YC, this is now a sort of their equity holders and everything like a, a startup business. Uh, we it, I mean it's owned now by by Janice and myself with with YC taking their standard stake that you uh that they give them as being part of the program. But but anyway, I mean, this whole episode with Penske to me is very revealing about this. I mean, everything that you're trying to build with this, which is that it's a one it's a one horse town as far as media ownership goes. And, you know, you could say, well, I mean, do you think that's contributed to the sort of soft coverage and the need for what I imagine you and Janice believe, which is like there is definite space for more critical, more incisive, less beholden to the master's coverage uh, of, of Hollywood these days. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of people that work in Hollywood and people like to read about their world and their industry and people beyond Hollywood like to read about Hollywood and, uh, and its industry. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wild, exciting place in the middle of you know, cataclysmic change at a really important time and it brings together questions of culture and finance and everything and there's there's great characters and great personalities and great stories to tell every day. So um, we think there's huge room for 
um, for for a company to for a company to come in and and start covering that and telling those stories in a really insightful, fun, and uh, and uh, fearless sort of way. When you talk about like the uh, you know compromised nature of trade coverage in Hollywood and the fact that these companies are beholden to the studios for exclusive information um, for access to the celebrities and the executives for profiles. I mean, what's your path to avoiding that? Because it seems like there's money there. And so it's very tempting, I imagine, to say, look, maybe we should kind of go soft on Bob Chapek right now because that would kind of endear us to... I I understand it's complicated with media and you never want to officially say these things, but like, how do you avoid the pitfalls that have, you know, really ensnared the Penske empire uh, as you're building the Ankler? Listen, from the beginning of time, any reporter who works at Beach knows knows that uh, that that line you have to walk between between being uh, doing sharp coverage and and uh, and and having ongoing relationships with sources and everything. And when you add in advertising, that that gives you another uh, element there. But um, you know, the, I, I think the fact that we're built on this subscription platform really means that um, if we don't that it, it's all it, everything and everything is built upon the idea of growing subscriptions and uh we you know we don't we don't we don't do marketing we don't do anything and subscriptions grow based on people like this and they pass it along and as long as people are 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 reading what we're doing and enjoying it and telling other people to read it we'll be a healthy company i don't know what percent will ultimately come from advertising or whatever but but at the bottom of that it has to be the, the it has to be the readers first, second, and last uh, that that determine this. I mean, your your slogan for a while, where you were it, the Ankler giving Hollywood the business, and then you would say the newsletter Hollywood loves to hate and hates to love the fearless, unvarnished dissection of what's really shaking our world today. Uh, is is it now? Don't eat lunch in this town without it. Or I'm curious, you know, like are you are you rebranding, or is there or are you thinking about sort of broadening uh, the tone? Sorry to give a close reading of this, but as as a fellow Substacker, I'm curious. Yeah, well, I, I love I love giving the Hollywood the business, and and I think it captures the tone. the 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 downside of it is that it implies you're all about just business, and we oh, want to yeah. be more about the the cultural life of Hollywood. Mm. So we're we're looking we're looking for a tagline that's. Uh, that's that's that that's more about the greater experience that we're that we're that we're looking to cover now. When you look at the state of Hollywood these days, I remember. I mean, I remember when you joined. You know, the uh, Lesson Accelerator uh, all those years. Back. And by the way, I should I should I, I forgot to mention when we talked about our ownership that uh, that uh, the the information is also uh, also uh, has a stake in 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 the Ankler from from the Accelerator experience there. So right, but Substack Substack doesn't or. No, the pro they don't take equity for their pro for the pro program. They give you they give you I mean they're they're really about just seeding the uh these publications and trying to uh do what they can to make to make you grow, but uh it's they, they take no equity stake for it, uh, incredibly. That's nice. <laughs> it, it's a program it's hard to say no to, uh that's uh, right. Yeah. But from the earliest days, the newsletters that you would write, and I've been a reader since early on. Um, that I that I really loved were you're really taking Netflix to task uh, for its profligate spending, for its just kind of tasteless 
uh, distribution. No, you know what I mean? Like they, they just seem to have no real taste. They would just kind of throw money out there and put out garbage. I was the first to foretell the downfall of Netflix. Yeah, they're doing horribly and, now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one remember them? I'm glad I pulled all my money out of them uh, back in 2017. <laughs> they really went nowhere. What's uh, funny, like yeah. Martin Piers and others have been writing about their debt problems for years, and clearly uh, that's been fine. Anyway. Uh, well, they're actually not taking on debt anymore. I mean, they're, they're focused only on paying it off now. So it's uh, a lot of crow eating. I think, among some of the media skeptics. But I think the stuff that you've written that I completely agree with and has sort of become the virus that's taken over all of Hollywood is uh, just the sort of mass approach, like the mass content approach, the the spending absurdly on on shows and diluting the quality of the content. And it seems like, you know, what was once just kind of uh, specific to Netflix seems to have taken over all the boardrooms and, and, you know, executive rooms of these companies. And I don't know, what's, what's your, what's your stance on the streamification of Hollywood and like what it's done to the sort of discernment and taste of content that's coming out of these, you know, out of these studios. I mean, it's, it, you know, Hollywood for better or worse, you know, that people were always trying to find the formula that would tell you what it was, but no, uh, no one, no one really managed to achieve that all the way through Hollywood history, and for better or worse, it was a place where people had to take, make gut chance, make gut choices in what they made. That made some 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 great things and hor- some horrible things, but it was what kept it interesting. Um, and now you have um, people programming to these micro niches, and it, it, it's sort of about the, you know, we need we need we need six hundred hours of content uh, to. To young, to people from ages uh, sixteen to twenty-three in the in the Midwest, and you're just, they're you know buying the content by the yard, and, and it, you, you know you just you just look at it like even on 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 the one hand in the streaming era, like all there, there's things being produced that we never would have imagined would be possible before, and part of part of the the, the good side of that is diversity, and you get you're having Many more people who never got a chance to tell their stories before, um, and all this. on On the other on the other side, it's just it's it's uh, there's not a lot there, there's not a lot that's great through it all yeah. there, and it's uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's very hard. Yeah, it's funny to me when the column comes out a lot as it tends to these days of like Netflix only has bad stuff or, you know, the quality overall at Netflix is not good, which sure, like on average, I 100% agree with you. I can't actually remember the last series I watched on there. But the other part of it is that there's just so much on there. And at the same time that they'll put out, you know, like the worst reality shows I've ever seen or come across. They also have like the power of the dog, which is like probably one of the best movies of the year. So it's like, you know, the high volume approach goes both ways, but it's it's strange. It's like a strange brand and consumption experience when you have this just all over the map strategy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a question of batting averages, and uh, it's for traditionally from traditionally for a hundred years, the studios put out 20, 20 movies a year, and two of them would be giant hits, two of them would be terrible flops, and the rest would be somewhere in between. And you needed those hits to more than cover your flops, um, and 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 that was kind of how it worked. And now it's the, it's it's that, uh, you know that that 
the it the the number Netflix has some great shows, but the number of shows that it takes to get to them, and we don't can keep track of how many shows and how many movies they put out. It's like they're they're you you find things on there that you didn't you didn't know existed, and um, you know I I wrote about uh, Apple and the Foundation series, which you know might might well be the biggest flop in Hollywood history. It might it you know this it it might for the 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 price per per viewer ratio uh it it you know it cost anywhere from 100 to 300 million to make it and possibly as little as uh two people uh watched it so <laughs> it's uh, why the show never came out or what or is that sincere as few as two people or yeah i mean i i i've the two people is the number of people that i have evidence have watched it <laughs> two people told me they did and i saw I've seen no other indication anywhere else that I would watch it. So as good at evidence as any. But uh, yeah, I, I single that one out. But there's there's twenty different shows that could be a contender for that that same that same uh, spot there. And um, it's just, I mean, part of it is is one thing that Hollywood always had was it had a really quick feedback loop. Like the uh, a movie opens and you find out that night uh, whether it's a hit or a flop. And um, and and that tells you something, and it tells you something about. And there was TV. a transparency to it, right? I mean, Netflix. The, yeah. It's hard to know how some of these. And TV are. TV ratings were were very clear what what people were were watching, and uh, and there was and there were for the people who made them, there were there were very uh, dire consequences for for being in the flop business. Um, and now it's no one knows. No one knows what's. A, you know, uh, Apple said that Foundation may be the biggest flop ever made, but Apple picked up another series, another season. So maybe it actually did great. Right. Well, it's a drop in the bucket for them, right? I mean, that's the funny thing about some of the tech companies, Amazon and Apple, really, going into this is that in one sense, $300 million flushed down the toilet would be devastating for a studio head. But for Apple, who does in the tens of billions of profit every quarter, Eh, you know, we got a little bit of buzz, maybe, maybe even because it was a flop. Like that has to kind of mess with the calculus too, right? On on what to invest in, and you know how committed you are to quality. Yeah, I, 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 it feels like with Apple that that it's it's very much sort of the loss leader. It's like the uh, it's the big designer that that Target puts in their window to get people come in and and buy cat food. Uh, while they're there, it's that um, you know they they want to be associated with big glossy products, and I don't know if it, if, if foundation costs them two hundred million dollars, that's that's probably less than they spend on an ad campaign typically. So this is another kind of ad. I mean, campaign. The, the days of the the iPod, you know, the Office was obviously very key in marketing that and sort of being useful yeah. for them. How would you rate? the tech companies as owners of media this many years into it. Because if you look back at the history of these media companies or studios, I should say more specifically, they usually have owners that are not involved in the media business. Paramount was owned by Gulf and Western. I don't have others off the top of my head. You could probably name a dozen. Didn't Coca-Cola? Yeah, I mean, all, all kinds of people have, have owned a studio over the Coca-Cola owned, owned a studio, oil companies. It's, uh, um, it's, uh, Electronics for companies. It's uh, uh, people. A lot of people have come and gone um, through the, through the studio business. Um, the tech companies. It's uh, 
The tech companies is a little different because you have, you have a whole industry coming in at once, and they seem very much want to want to swallow Hollywood into their larger experience um, and and into a into a, a bigger a bigger story there. Um, so it's 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 not just some random soda company, but or uh, yeah, Seagrams was another uh, buying buying <laughs> a uh, buying this because their billionaire owner was bored and wanted a new toy. Um, but it, I would say, I mean, I would say, so they're, they're putting a lot of money in, which has been a lot good for a lot of people other, in, in a lot of ways. But, um, it's, there's no, like I say, there's no clear sense of where this leads and what is, how, how, how do you build something stable on this? And how, is, and, is AT&T the worst owner or who's, who's the bottom at the moment, I mean, ATT was pretty. Got it has to be some kind of record for cluelessness, and I mean, they 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 got out about as quick as anyone ever has, which is uh, which 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 may make them the best owner because they they most companies it takes they figure out that uh, they they made a terrible mistake coming to Hollywood, and it takes them about it takes them another decade to admit that to themselves, and uh, in the meantime, they've they 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 they're they've lost. Uh, Untold about some money, but uh, but also just the most the most obvious train wreck that you and everyone else saw the moment that the deal was announced that there was going to be a cultural mismatch here that you know Jeff Bukas who who sold off uh, Time Warner then to to AT and T was selling a a melting ice cube to this company that he just wanted to get off his hands and do good by shareholders and that there was just no conceivable way that this was going to be some sort of like sum is greater than the, the you know, the, the, the total is greater than the sum of its parts or what, you know, whatever. The business of Hollywood is, it's not about selling movie tickets or TV or getting people to watch TV shows. It's about every rich person on earth and someday, you know, that everybody watches movies and someday will wake up and say, you know what? I I could make them better than these guys, and and Hollywood as a whole business setup, um, you know, where this person comes and says, I've, you know, I'm the king of pharmaceuticals, or I I, I invented FedEx, or or uh, or I or I I started a the world's biggest grocery store uh, online chain or whatever it is. When they say, and I I think I could show you guys how to do this a little better, and I have great taste in movies. There's a whole all of Hollywood is geared to say, of course you do. We thank God we've been waiting for someone like you with to come and show us how to do it. Please sit right down, put the checkbook right down down there, and we'll just just make that out to cash, and uh, and we're gonna help you. Uh, we're gonna help you take over here. Don't worry. And uh, you know most of them uh, either either a few years or, or a decade or two later go. Uh, I've been had staggering out of. T- town wondering what happened to their fortune I didn't sleep with any of the people I thought I was going to in this job they they might they they might have gotten that part out of it but at some point they realize uh that they're not being given I mean it comes down to are are the are are you getting the best product the 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 best movies the best shows like are they coming to you and everyone's going to tell you that you're getting the real stuff here, the real good stuff that's too good for, too good for us to take to Disney or whatever. But you know, it, our, our, in the end, 
the the biggest the biggest products go where they have the best chance of success um and uh and 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 you know that's been the problem that Netflix has struggled with that that people just know their their stuff will get buried on that service there and just just for you know this is a Silicon Valley show I'm not following Hollywood as closely as you two. Uh, for background, Tom used to write for the LABJ, right? Los Angeles Business Journal. So this is why he's obsessed with Hollywood. Anyway, Mike, just like who are the five most powerful people in Hollywood right now? I mean, if you had to come up with, not to put you on the spot, but like if you had to come up with your list of like who the big characters are and, and sort of the people that matter in your universe, like who are who are the key players at the moment? I mean, you basically have six major companies right now, which, uh, which are Apple... Netflix, Amazon, uh, Disney, uh, uh, Warner Brothers, Discovery, and uh, and Comcast, and the, the heads of those are the, those are the, the six families essentially, uh, and then um, then you have Viacom and Sony at a on a, on a smaller level, um, but 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 those are the people that uh, that are fighting for the shape of it, and you know a lot of people. Many think that the Dis- that the second half of that Disney, Warner's, and uh, Universal will get absorbed into the first half of that uh, over the next few years, but we'll see. One of the big blowups this year at Netflix was the fallout over the Dave Chappelle stand-up special, which Eric and I have talked a lot about offline. Um, but it was an interesting story, not just because you know there was controversy behind it and employees at Netflix, uh, certain employees complaining about the fact how many you know i mean my my big thing was just like a media sort of saying that you know the protests from netflix employees were huge i mean lucas at bloomberg was uh big on that and then i was just like how many of the people are really protesting inside of yeah how, how destabilizing was it do you think not only to you know what you can gather from people inside netflix but also its view within the community. I mean, I think you could make an argument that Ted Sarandos sticking with Dave Chappelle through all of the public outcry probably endeared him to some artists who said like, hey, this guy will stand by, at the very least his moneymakers or the people that he personally <laughs> likes. Um, but also, you know, there's a, there's an, you could argue there's an element of integrity to it. There are executives that would have gone a completely different direction. So uh, how, how do you reflect on the whole Chappelle episode and how Netflix handled it and, and what it means uh, for the company and its well, culture. Well, so if you look at where where they are at the end of it, that special is still on the service. Dave Chappelle is there is is head is heading their lineup at the new uh, Netflix Comedy Festival that they're doing, uh, and he'll continue to work with them. There's no, I don't see any sign that any subscriptions were canceled, and even Hannah Gadsby, who uh, who who called uh Ted Sarandos by some uh some uh some some names in public uh she hasn't even said that she's going to refuse to work with them uh so uh I, I i don't i don't know of any there was there was one uh showrunner who who said he wasn't going to work with them anymore and was leaving the show at the beginning of this i don't know anybody that followed in his footsteps so uh, on some level, you know, on the major level of, of like, did the protest shake them up? You could say, well, we're, you know, they they they, they caused, caused a little bit of uh, ruckus for a week or so, but uh, 
where's the evidence that anything has been shaken? Uh, on the other level, and you can say, you can, you can see this was a, a warning shot. And if you're the people uh, in the comedy department uh, signing the next acts, you, you, you don't, you're, you're not going to want to put Ted through this again. So, so people are going to be, well, the question is, are people going to be, be more careful? You, you think there was actually a bit of blowback internally between Ted and the comedy development team who, who he sort of saw them as like, look, I'll, I'll stand up for Dave, but like, this is on you guys. You put me in a tough position here where I had said, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that he, that he said that at all. Yeah. I'm just saying it's like a chilling effect. If, if you were, if you were a scout or uh, or development executive and saying, yeah, saying that, you you don't want you you know what's possible now, and you don't you don't want to be the cause of another one of these. And for all I know, Ted, I mean, in terms of uh, standing by his 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 artists, there, uh, Ted handed uh, Ted Ted behaved uh, very correctly. He made some he made some statements at the beginning about art doesn't affect anything that were probably. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that that uh, he, uh, I think, wishes he could wishes he could rephrase. It's contradictory uh, at a certain point. But do you do you have a view on the media's role? Or I mean, it felt. Did you feel like they? I don't know where you came down on this. Well, Eric, you, I mean, you have this thesis that the media blew it up. Yeah. I have a strong point of view. It just that the media was very aligned with the protesting employees, right? Sort of a view from nowhere style that tries to mask that. But then every piece is like, there's this issue for Netflix. But who's really deciding that the, there's an issue for Netflix? It's the reporter of that story, you know. And the fact that reporters aren't sort of preferencing what the mass public cares about or preferences is a subjective choice, which I think they're entitled to make. But I wish, you know, to me it's sort of a core problem with sort of cultural view from nowhere reporting where they're sort of denying they have a stance even though the position of the piece makes it very clear to me. Yeah, I, I, you know, they they reported on this uh, protest like it was going to be the thing that, that in the in the run up to it, like there was a decent chance that the uh, the, the 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 mobs that that took it were actually going to burn the no. Netflix headquarters to the ground and uh, service would go off the air and and and, <laughs> and Reed Hastings would have to leave the country overnight. And in the end, I, in the end, it was. The, the crowd estimate was at dozens and right. it was it was it was held at lunch hour across the street from Netflix. So uh, those dozens were able to come out for their lunch hour and then they all seemed to come back as soon as lunch hour. And to be clear, I mean, I support people taking what they believe to be principled stands. So I'm not. Yeah. And I don't want to come off as, as belittling their stances or, or what they believe right. in or, or the fact that they protested, but there was some proportionality. I just think that the media yeah. can be like very on the team. Well, it's, it's, it's where every conversation goes now. It's like there was never, because it, it, it immediately became a, you know, not a conversation about like, how do we put up things that are offensive to some people and, 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 but while still be, uh, you know, kind to those those communities. Like, can 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 we talk about things, or do we are our, our conversations are off limits? It, and it, it it that turned around to turned into should Dave Chappelle be killed or not? Mm-hmm. And does Dave and and is Ted Sarandos a disgrace? Right. You know. So it, it, that, that that's that's where all these things go, and that's where the 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 media always wants to take them. And uh, 
I, 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 a lot of people have told me this was a, a real turning point, that this one just sort of fizzled so, so, so publicly and so badly that the next ones are going to get less attention and less excited. We'll see. Right, and the certain light, it encourages the companies to roll their eyes at protests because they can. And um, that's, that's sort of the flip side of it. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, as, as these things come up, come up constantly, I've seen um, the companies have gotten much better at, uh, at dealing with them. And the, the ones that are good at it, good at it in terms of, uh, you know, sort of crisis management for, the, for, for, for their own brands, not, not good for the world or, or, uh, or morally or anything. But the ones that are good at it understand that whatever comes up, uh, the chances that anyone is going to remember this 24 hours from now are very small. Uh, so what you want to do is deprive it of all oxygen and, and not do anything that keeps the story alive and gives it a gives it another wave and just just you know things will come up and and from these companies they 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 won't even give no comment they just suddenly won't be available for phone calls and they'll just disappear for 24 hours uh and then the next day some other controversy came up and everybody forgot that they were mad at that at at disney or warners or whatever Last thing on this one is how much do you think the particular conflict with Netflix was one of Silicon Valley and Hollywood existing within the same company? Because purely from the outside, I did zero reporting on it. I'm, I'm way off the media beat now. Um, it seemed like the bulk of the congratulations. Yeah, it, it, it can happen, but <laughs> I, you know, I don't get yeah. I don't get YC funded companies from this. But uh, I felt like a number of the instigators of the complaints within Netflix were coming from the engineering side of things. I believe the most outspoken people, aside from personally being aligned with, you know, the, the trans cause, was were, were engineers. And I wonder how much of this has to do with people that have worked in Hollywood sort of understand more inherently that there are going to be shows that are within the or products that come out of the company that you work for that you're going to disagree with and it's just the nature of content and and you know comedians especially but a lot of different kind of uh, aggressive art will provoke people and it's just the nature of the beast and people in hollywood have a better understanding of that and you wouldn't have like a development executive uh, or a creative executive getting up in arms whereas you know from the engineering side they're still sort of new to the idea of like you know, when I work at a content company, there are things I'll like and things that I won't like. And, you know, it was specific that this was a Netflix issue and not, say, something that came out of, like, HBO Max, uh, which also has tons of stand-up specials. Well, the other thing about Netflix is, uh, and that, that that's much more part of the tech culture than the Hollywood culture, is uh, Hollywood does not have any culture of sort of the young people at the country, at, at the company speaking up and, and and sharing their thoughts and speaking their mind. Like, uh, you know, traditionally, uh, and, and I don't even know if it's traditionally, but to, to this day, if you work at, if you're a, if you're a person in your twenties, uh, working at a studio, you, you live in terror that, that, uh, that you're going to step out of line for half a second and, uh, and be, be thrown to the street. There is not, there's not a culture of, uh, sort of the young assistants, Standing up to their bosses and telling them what they think. So that's that. No, they that they wait till they're high up at the company, then they treat their assistants the way that they were treated years later. It's a, exactly it's a and and, uh, and they leave it for someone else to say uh, say what they think. 
so, so you know, that's that's something that, that tech brought to Hollywood because I, I can't recall another sort of, because th- th- this arose from a, this was an employee uprising, and I can't recall this when that's ever happened in a studio uh, here before. That was one thing, but it, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a, a bigger. It, it's a much less regimented worldview that's uh, that's that's coming here. Yeah, I mean, to some degree, like the video game business is bigger and bigger than sort of the movie business, and is becoming culturally sort of more important, especially as we we talk about like the metaverse constantly and sort of Web three and can fit into that. I mean, and it feels like very much not in your interest, but to make this case, but do you think we cover Hollywood? too much relative to the video game business, right? I do wonder why, why is like, I do think it's true that like Silicon Valley is like a hub of business reporting, like Hollywood's a hub of business reporting, like less like finance anymore. I mean, there's like deals stuff, but like, is it just that like Hollywood's like a better cultural hub or like, why do you think sort of the movie business has been such such a strong like business community in a way the video games haven't, or maybe you reject sort of the premise of how I'm setting that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of do. I, I, the people, people say this, uh, and, but I, I, I think they're different businesses and I, and, and I think they're doing different things and, and video video games might be a hundred times bigger than, than Hollywood, but it's, it's, but you know, so is, uh, so is, uh, you know, chopped liver, but, uh, <laughs> that's, but, uh, it doesn't mean we should stop covering Hollywood because we should put all our money and all our attention in the liver industry. It's uh, you know what what Hollywood does is um, it, it has the storytelling basically through movies and TV show shows um, still are enormous part of people's lives around the world, and Hollywood has uh, outsized. Influence in the world's uh, in, in in the world's stories in the stories the world sees and what they get and Hollywood has has still shown itself having assembled a community of of uh, artists and crafts craftspeople and finance and everything to produce produce this at a level that nobody else is is able to achieve. Although you know, I mean, Bollywood, Hong Kong, they have very vital do do great things, but. Uh, a Hollywood production remains the world's gold standard, right? Um, it, and uh, it 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 has a it it has an importance in the in the, the I mean that's why it's interesting to me this meeting of art and commerce, and it has this importance to the world uh, beyond um, the size of the industry that it is, which you know compared to tech, it's is pretty small. I also think that you know. And I, and I play video games. So this is no knock on the industry and, and the quality of product that it puts out. But I still think culturally video games are downstream of movies. That a lot of the best games, the biggest games, are trying to evoke the experience of watching a movie, but you're interacting with it. Now, there are different kinds of games and ones that are less like that. But I still think if you look at your AAA titles you know, Last of Us or or the Gears of War or Call of Duty or all of these things, they're very deeply inspired by the movies that came out currently or, or years ago and are trying to riff on that in a way that's unique to the medium. But so far as I can tell, even as video game companies get bigger and bigger, 
they're still producing a product that is derivative of the culture that has been created by and large by Hollywood. Um, now, I don't, I don't think Hollywood maintains a monopoly on culture. And I actually think as time goes on and we sort of see TikTok and social media and ideas and memes that come out of that affecting what is in movies that you are seeing a bit of a flipping of that. Like I, I do really think the creator economy and the independence that comes from that has had a huge impact on big studios and movies. And you're starting to see, you know, the things that are the primordial soup that's inside the creator economy start to be filter out and appear in movies and TV shows and things like that. Um, but I, I think within video games and uh, like the video games, a Hollywood dynamic remains to me one of maybe a more profitable and better business with video games. But again, like culturally, which is how we view so much of the world these days, you know, like how it affects like the culture and the things that we consume. It just still seems to me that that the big movies and TV shows are so much more important and and creative and and, and part of the kind of higher like they're higher up on the stream. In yeah, my mind. that's my, I, I that's my excuse. That. For I, it. Just, I just thought it needed to be. I mean, obviously, you know, business reporters don't cover anything relative to their actual valuations or value. And like even in Silicon Valley, where the numbers are huge, you know, it's about what companies are interesting um, that sort of decides their coverage as much of the size. So I, I agree with that in that Hollywood is more uh, culturally. Re- but, but it's just fascinating to me that the video video games are getting so big and it, that, that they don't feel like they fit into that in the same way. Even though they're good video yeah, everybody, orders. everybody loves to loves to write about Apple, but um, and hear about what's going on at Apple or Amazon. But uh, how many how many how many great articles about Oracle do you read? The great example of that to me recently is you know the stories that have come out in the Journal about Activision and Bobby Kotick and what he knew about the sexual harassment assault that was taking place inside his company were huge bombshell pieces that if they were written about. Disney or Warner Media or any other Hollywood institution, I think would have gotten much, much. I mean, I mean, compare that to the stories about Harvey. I mean, the first the Me Too stories, and yeah, your first response is, "Who the hell is Bobby Cody?" I'm like, "Isn't that Cheryl Sandberg's ex?" Or um, exactly yeah. is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a thing. I'm the most highly compensated CEO. I mean, like he's he's you know an incredibly powerful person, and influential. and the stories are great. I mean, the Wall Street Journal and Jason Schreier, Bloomberg, there, there's great reporting on it. But yeah, the cultural uptake of it, I feel like, hasn't been as big as those stories deserve. It's terrible stuff, but it's not. It's not like a company that I was invested in. Like, like, oh my God, Activision. Well, have to. Yeah, well, there'll have to be a shakeup at Activision. What? What will we do? You know, every 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 Activision uh, Netflix, uh, every Activision executive can fly into the sun for uh, for all I would know. But uh, my my last question. Um, I mean, just going back to the Ankler and sort of what you're doing here, what is, yes, sir. I don't know how much you're going to commit to what your future looks like, but what is, what's the scale of this? Is this a couple more people? Is this dozens? Like what, what size scale are you thinking here? So to the, to the extent we can fund it and, uh, and, and build it, it's, it's, we're not looking to fill slots. We're looking to find interesting people that can, that can do interesting things and, um, and then craft, and then and then figure out how they how they they fit in. So we'd rather have we'd rather have three or four great people than than a, a, a so so team of, of fifty with um, the same email list or different. Everybody 
with their own? Well, that's that that that's the question. It's uh, you know, I, I think our plan is 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 now, um, you know, build up the, the 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 Angler Core product and look for opportunities to do to do spinoff products. And it's not like there's there's there there's niches in Hollywood where the people who are involved in that niche would be really interested uh, in hearing more and. And there's a lot more reporting to be done that's that that's not being done, and and, and an anchor sort of uh, take on that on, on that corner of the world would be uh, would be fascinating to many, but maybe does, uh, interested to be to be a reporter again. Uh, does that mean Puck is in the back of your mind in terms of close competitors? I I, I never think about competitors. I mean, uh, <laughs> Real now you're not, yeah you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think about uh, we, you know, and this and, and this and this is why it's so funny that uh, that 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 the the great owner of Penske Media has, is apparently obsessed with us hiring one single reporter. It's I, I think about we do the we do the most interesting thing and the best the best thing we can, and when, whenever you do that, stuff tends to work out. That's 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 uh, and and and. And focus on focus on telling great stories, and uh, and, and, and the world the world will come to you. This was is how I always feel about it. You do such great coverage of awards and the kind of awards industrial complex in Hollywood, and I and I always I always get complaints. People when I when I when I do like three issues of that in a row, people uh, even in Hollywood, people say, "Stop writing. Who cares so much about the." goddamn Oscars. Uh, but it's so, it's so funny because it gets to the core of what these people love. You know, they can all claim that they're in it for the art or they're in it for making money. But when it comes down to it, they just want to be told by their friends that they're the best. And, uh, you know, the whole business behind award marketing is it's it's unique to living in Los Angeles. Like you don't really get it until you live there. But anyway, um, I mean, you know, last either this year, I don't even remember, you know, there was the big investigation of the Golden Globes and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association that found out that the thing was just a pure on grift racket uh, of, of, you know, whining and dining these people in order to get nominations. Uh, and, you know, it's not going to be televised on NBC now because of, of all of this. And yet it just doesn't seem like, you know, it's really fallen that much in Hollywood's estimation. I mean, where, where do you see like both the Golden Globes and just like more broadly the whole business of, you know, whoring yourself to uh, the, the award shows to get little statues for your actors and producers. I mean, it's it's uh, in terms of the Golden Globes, you know, there were some real concerns about the diversity in the organization and everything. And, and, you know, any any major company in our community should should be held accountable to, for that. So that that's a real thing. But the whole idea of like, these aren't real awards. These are fake awards. And these are like, like, what is, they're all fake awards. What is a real, what is a real award? Like, I don't know this, when they, when they, when they nominated Emily in Paris, that was a hard line for me. That is the yeah, worst. Look at, look, look, look at, look America. at some of the Emmy nominees over the last, uh, few years. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, they've, 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 Given they've given awards to some crummy uh, things in the past, but I mean, you, you want to look at the Oscar. I mean, winners Green of- Book, Jesus Christ! I mean, the Oscars is like at- a is, is just a embarrassment of of horrible choices. Yeah, every year, every year the Oscars, Oscars has a cup a couple nominees that you're just like, what? And, and you know, they have a couple nominees that that you've never heard of now because uh, you know. So it's it's. I mean, these are people. They're 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 people from abroad, and they devote themselves to this and they go to a lot of buffets and 
and, and, and see movies and talk to each other about it. So if they want to give out awards, why should they? I mean, it's not like the, it's not like the military appointed uh, appointed the Academy of Motion Pictures as the final arbiter of what's a good movie or or not. And uh, so so I, I just find the, uh, the discussion of a real awards versus fake awards and should they have their influence silly the the whole Hollywood awards circuit is a promotional racket. It's, it's it's meant to it's it's meant to promote the film industry and promote. Uh, and create a little contest that creates excitement about films, and you know that's fine. And that's yeah, that's a, that's if you care about film, it's a good thing to have shows promoting that are they're basically an infomercial for films. But uh, anytime people start getting all pious and taking it seriously, it's uh, my my eyes roll to the back of my head. Well, was diversity the only objection to the Golden Globes, or I I thought there were I I, I don't follow you know those they cases. were the the the, the, the the article that the the takedown article about them was was sort of a kitchen sink of complaints. Um, their 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 former president had some serious uh, harassment charges against him, uh, and that's that's pretty serious. And he, he's gone. There was there. I mean, one there was there was sort of uh, aghast at how much money they were making, which. Uh, you know, there's 90 people, and they they get they get they get paid if they serve on different com- committees of the of, of the awards. There was like some of them make as much as sixty thousand dollars a year. I was just, which which was kind of, I, which I mean, they put on it was like the number four TV show of the year. So right. I assume they were making they're making a hell of a lot more than that. But uh, uh, you know, that was shocking to the Los Angeles Times columnists who <laughs> who wrote it that. Uh, um, that they made that there was uh, what were the other uh, that that they asked uh, that they that that adjuncts they, you know, they that they asked these sort of uh, lame and uh, impertinent questions, which uh, you know I am sure they do. If you have ever been to a Hollywood junket, uh, a, a a interesting and insightful question would. Uh, would would die of loneliness if it if it ever showed its face at all. It would junk it. So uh, so if you say their if their stupid questions are more inane than the the than the t- the typical ridiculous questions that get asked at those, it, it's anyway. It was a it was a grab bag of sort of uh, pearl clutching and shock. After some real concerns about the diversity and uh, is there anybody like? Who could replace them? Or, I mean, I guess, yeah, if the argument is, okay, it's good to have, obviously Hollywood likes to promote their films. It's one way to do it. The the the, the next argument would just be, well, like if there's an incrementally better set of people who could pick movies, should they be doing it? There's a contender for, for this, which is the... Uh the, the, the Critics' Choice Awards, which which happens to fall at the, about the same time in the calendar. Um, and they have been pushing themselves very hard as a replacement for this. And uh, lo and behold, all the critics that write columns uh, <laughs> about it and our members of this also think the Critics' Choice Awards would be a good replacement for this. Um, and, you know, sure, I mean, do critics have a right to a better opinion than... The Golden Globes is uh, uh, known to anybody because they put on a fun show 
where movies and TV mix. everybody gets drunk, right? I mean, that's the fun one. Yeah, right? they sit at tables and people people get a little boozy and and loose and they and and they don't take it too seriously and they make fun of the, the uh, they make fun of the shows and they they get they, that 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 is why anybody watches this not because like they're the most serious august opinion uh, on the on, on the quality of of, uh, of of arts in these days. Um, and the, the, the critic's choice is a, uh, is a very humdrum sort of, uh, weird little awkward, uh, show that is never going to take that place. And if the Golden Globes died, it's not like all this is a legacy. The whole award sector is a, there's, there's like no one under, under 150 that watches these things anymore. It's a dying audience. And if if the Golden Globes went away, it's not like people would be sitting there saying, "Oh, I've got space in my calendar for a new awards show here." So, uh, what 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 can they give me? They'd say, "Okay, I only will watch six awards shows instead of seven this year." That's 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 probably more than I should be watching. What's uh What's on the Richard Rushfield? Uh, what what gets the Rushfield this year? What's your What's your top movie so far? My top movie. Uh, let me think about that. The uh, the uh, I I I enjoyed Power of the Dog. I, uh, I I'm not I'm not sure I loved it. I don't know if I if, if I have a top movie this year. Yeah, they all, still uh, a couple of weeks left. I think so I saw. You, yeah. Do you do that kind of thing? I mean, you're you want to like will the Ankler get more into? Yeah, here are our favorite movies or anything like that. I always find it's weird, like that. All the reporters have also become critics, and you're writing about. You know, I mean, I I'm. When I'm I'm trying to analyze the industry and the the life of it as best as I can, and like to add this element of like you know you're going to interview a producer, but you know you you thought his movie had a weak second act. So <laughs> first like, question. So so you you're going to have an awkward conversation because uh, you you wish they had cast someone younger in this part. Like it's it's uh, I mean it, it just seems like it's a different job. And, uh, and, 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 and the, and the flip side of it is, uh, you know, if you're, uh, if you're say a reporter who happens to love superhero movies, uh, you, you sort of fall on the floor drooling at the mouth and, and uh, when, when, when say a Kevin Feige walks into the room at a, mar- at a Marvel there. So, yeah, well, <laughs> One of the reasons I had to leave the beat was uh, I, I wasn't one of those people. And also, I think I cared more about my opinions of movies than I did about asking hard questions. That sounds uh, on brand. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's much more fun. Yeah. What can I say? Um, all right, Richard, thank you so much for joining. Best of luck with the, with the ankler and everything. Uh, don't let the man get you down. Thank you. Go, uh, go hire who you need to hire. Go poach away. Thank you very much. We're going to find good people and we're excited. Goodbye. Goodbye, 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 goodbye.